All right, mic check, mic check. Morning Masters podcast, host made of course. Got a special guest across me today. Got Miss Natalie Bryan. How you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, initially, um, when I set out to, I know it's gonna be this quick. I hit Miss Karen Gordon, literally like at one in the morning. I didn't know she was gonna respond. I was just <laughs> up, and I asked her if she knew some people that could I can talk to. I, I specifically, specifically said um, a black woman, though, okay. um, that I can talk to about these particular topics or just this just genre of topic rather. And um, the next morning, she texts us in both in the group chat, and that's why I call Karen. We always call her the plug. Most people that I know call her that because yes. she'll connect you with whoever you need to be connected to. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess first, before we get into anything, tell me a little about yourself and you know where you're from. And mm-hmm. my name is Natalie Bryan. I am a licensed clinical social worker here in the Augusta area, by way of Brooklyn, New York. Um, I have been in the health and human services over 25 years. Been a therapist. About 10 years, five years um, fully independently in my own practice. Um, I have history working in um, food stamps and Medicaid and um, the VA hospital, hospital systems. So I have a a diverse amount of education about um, services within specific um, communities. I'm, I'm glad I um, normally sometimes I, I know the guests sometimes mm-hmm. I, or I've been watching them for a long time before I have them on and obviously this one us being connected us not knowing yeah. I didn't want to ask too many questions anyway <laughs> okay. on purpose so like, I'm glad you said it because you, you just said by way of Brooklyn, New York mm-hmm. and that's where I'm from so like okay. it's funny I, you, I meet people like that but I don't meet them like, I don't know I'm meeting them right so like I'm going to ask you if people ask me all the time, like, well, how'd you get here? Oh, easy peasy. Um, Military-wise, my sister's husband is um, now now retired, but moved here because they got assigned here on Fort Gordon. And I came to be family support. They had two littles, and this is kind of the furthest that either one has been away from family. So we just, I, I know I came for my sister. His parents came for him just to give him some family support for a while. And I stuck around because I liked it. Okay, that's that's, oh, that's, that's, that's probably one of the better stories I heard. <laughs> Normally, you know, people sending kids down south or down south is always something else. That, but just to come from military, that's 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 great. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, at least for me living in, in Brooklyn, I never really knew about the military. I seen mm-hmm. it on TV, you know, mm-hmm. like Dead Presidents and something like that. I don't know if that's yeah. a good movie to reference, but um, I, that's why I saw it. I yeah. never saw anybody in school with us when I came down here. Yeah. I think on my first first day in school for real, I, they had like JRTC mm-hmm. and. It was like super mean, like for for no reason. I, I was lost. I didn't know where I was going, but how militant and mean he was. Yeah. It was like what you got going on. But I never seen kids like dressed up like that. Exactly. On Chucky, I did see it. it's a Chucky movie where like they dressed up like that, but I never seen it in real life. So uh, it was a good experience or a different experience rather coming down here. But um, yeah. So I mean, you say you, you've been in the in the in the, in the field. So how how did you get into this field of? of well, I'm going to be honest with you. My background. My parents are Jamaican. Um, so my mom. Even though we lived in New York and Brooklyn, we traveled back home a lot. So we always, she came up very, very poor. You know, they lived in one room in a tenement yard type situation. So when she was able to, I know since I was young, we just consistently always sent barrels of food and clothes and all the stuff like that. And we'd go down there and we'd just give it to people. And I think helping people just came from that. And 
it just transitioned into becoming a social worker. Now, um, I really wanted to be a therapist, but I didn't know the avenue. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I was going to school, I went to school for psychology and I was like, I really want to do therapy with people. People are always telling me their problems. And I think that would be a great fit for me. And I remember meeting a mentor when I was working in social services in Long Island. And um, she was like, you know, you can do therapy at a master's level with a social work degree. And I was like, man, I already do social work in the community. Why not? So I switched (laughs) majors. And that's how I found out about becoming a therapist um, clinically through social work. And that's where it started. Just so I don't um, jump off too far. um, I know you mentioned being from Brooklyn. So uh, how Mm -hmm. long did you stay there? And what was it like for you? And what part part were you? Oh, I was born um, in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Born and raised. in um, St. Mary's Hospital. Um, I've lived there all my life until actually my last year of high school. I went to Clara Barton in Brooklyn. And I tr- we moved. <laughs> yeah, we moved um, my senior year, which was devastating. I had the best principal because he came to Long Island and told my mother, let her finish her year. Let her figure it out. But, you know, um, ended up moving to Freeport, Long Island. So um, from then until I moved here, so about another probably 15 years we were in Long Island and then I moved here. Well, I guess if I'm asking for me, like what era was it when you were in, I'm not trying to find no, your age, but what era was, what era was it when you were in Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely the, um, like my whole life, but I, high school graduation for me was 1996. So I moved to Long Island like 95 into 96. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, that, so a lot of people, at least for me, I don't know, but a lot of people that's like, I don't know what it'd be for anybody that was uh, growing up in the 90s, but mm-hmm. for, for people like me, I look at 90s like a golden era. It was. I guess. It was. Musically, I mean, just um, everything. Honestly. Everything. Like, culture. It, it was. It like, was. I remember when uh, Brooklyn Maximas were hype, you know, West Indians, and it was so much fun. I, I think that kids today, although they have um, – great knowledge and everything i don't know if they really get a real opportunity to be children because everything is so artificial you know how they learn to communicate even now they struggle with social cues because they really have never had a chance to organically gain friends it's now more of like hey we're in this chat room together or we're in this everything is kind of technically so they've never really had opportunities to really get rejected or learn yeah. how to cope and come back from that so a lot of times you find people nowadays are struggling with their children um, and even adults are struggling a little bit in how they communicate and engage in relationship with other people socially well I guess that's, that's a good question like for for in your field like how do you um, try to communicate mm-hmm. I guess parents or even kids to mm-hmm get an alternative route than what's what's, what's the norm for them now? I think that's hard because um, I always feel, and this is my soapbox, you know, not anybody else may not feel like that, but I feel like um, technology takes so much away. Um, Yes, you can learn, you can communicate, but if you notice with technology, the more we have of it, the more isolative people have become. It's not, it's, they're connected, but they're not engaged. There's no intimacy. There's no real kind of getting to know each other. So my thing is, I always tell people like, you know, unplug for a while, you know, take the kids camping, go on an RV trip, go to the lake, you know, turn off the stuff because guess what? After a while, they'll they'll kind of unplug. Now, I do know that there are quite a few um, disorders 
um, like gaming addiction and stuff, that it can get a little hairy when dealing with kids and unplugging and because that has become their whole life. Right. So um, that is a real struggle for parents. Actually, I was I think I was watching TikTok the other day and this man literally was crying because his teenage son has um, kind of like a brain disorder now from the gaming so much that he cannot like shut off I forgot what they call it but I'm gonna look that up but it was it was interesting watching he was just so devastated like he's like my son was brilliant he was this but can't get past this situation with um gaming and people don't realize like your brain when you are doing things that are creative you are creating new neural pathways you're you're really growing and um creating these positive neurons that are connecting your brain and being really creative. Not to say you can't do that online. You can. But um, when you do it organically, just naturally, it's a different type of stimulation. When you're doing things like gaming and um, um, so much with the media and social media and stuff, we are getting bombarded by so many pixels behind the screen. We don't recognize. Mm -hmm. And while we are naturally looking at a still screen behind that still screen is all of the different things that are triggering our neurons. Our brain is activated. So we are overstimulated and we don't realize that we're overstimulated. So when you tell someone who is living that like 20 hours of the day to stop and sit in a room and read a book, their attention span is just not, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to correlate, you know? So it, it really is like having some hard set boundaries on it's okay to game, but we're going to shut down for a little while and be a little bit more natural and do something out, go to the park. We're going to go to the lake. We're going to take a road trip. We're going to travel. We're going to try and do some things different as opposed to just having media situations only. I, well, I never. I did see something on social media today that kind of said um, it was. I don't know. If it was, I think it said millennials and, and micromanaging don't don't either don't clink don't match. I don't know. I didn't mm-hmm. screenshot it though, but I got what it was saying because I'm I, I work in management and for a little time for a little while I I, I didn't I didn't know exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. I knew that younger people that were coming in mm-hmm. they they weren't functioning like how. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even that much older than a lot of them, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't function how the people that came in my age was functioning, right? Yeah. So I thought maybe I was like, maybe you got a bad batch this year. Yeah. You know, the next year we got an even worse batch. Yeah. It, it didn't get no better. That that was the yes. first one I I thought was bad. I was the worst. I was the best batch. Okay. Right. So, and then now when you have all these younger people coming into work and like you you realize like even something simple they can't do. Yeah. I might tell yeah. them like just make sure you stack the bags and you know nice and neatly, and they I don't know yes. they leave a mess. It's like they made it worse sometimes. So. <laughs> And I, I have, I'm a person. I have grace, so I mean, I, I understand. Like, maybe they were brought up different. Maybe they didn't. Maybe don't need a job. Maybe don't care about it. They just did mm-hmm. to whatever. But you all, I am seeing that. And when you say that now, I'm thinking like maybe that's something they're dealing with. Maybe yeah. they weren't not saying they weren't raised right, but they didn't get the certain kind of attention they needed, or they got attention span to do certain things. Absolutely, and and you know, social media doesn't help because I was just I was writing a chapter for this book, and um, I was talking about in the book how we really um, don't realize how social media impacts us. And I'm like, these young adults, children, teens, whatever you want to say, they see these social media um, posts and moments and videos and don't realize that's, that's just a snippet. 
and it might have took 20 yeah. hours for that snippet. You know, <laughs> I saw this woman post around Christmas time and I appreciated her and I made a comment. Um, she was trying to do a family Christmas um, like um, post of pictures and then like a little short video, like three minutes. It literally took them 20 hours. Yeah. 20 hours and a limited amount of takes and all that stuff. And I said it was for a four minute video and maybe 20 pictures to get her, the kids, the husband and everybody together to um, take this picture. And I said, if these children knew how much it took to put in to create this look of what perfection is Mm -hmm. or the lifestyle I want to live or the substance, the content, the work ethic that goes into behind all of that because you have to be dedicated you have to be consistent you have to um definitely be um a hard worker to accomplish that you have to have some organization you have to be able to coordinate different things you have to so it takes skill set to put all of that stuff together luckily we have some great kids that can kind of be like okay i could do that boom 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 and it may work for them but others can't and then these falsities as what reality is versus what reality is not is perpetuated. And then we have a mess on our hands because we're like, okay, I want to live like, but I want to put in as much work as Heathcliff the cat. If right. people even know who Heathcliff the cat is. I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, what is that? See, he was a cartoon cat that was super lazy and he really didn't do anything. And he was what just show like, was it on? It's, it's called Heathcliff. Oh. You can check it out. <laughs> I know Heathcliff Hustle. That's the only one I knew. I no, Heathcliff the cat. So you know, a lot of people don't even know who Heathcliff the cat is. But yeah, he was just a cat, a cartoon cat who was super lazy. He wanted you to feed him all the time. He didn't want to do everything, anything. Life was about easy peasy, and I think um, people think that that is life. Mm. And I'm not saying that that can't be life in balance. But what I'm saying is, it takes effort. Right. You know, life is not um, by the and especially nowadays, if you turn around, I mean, honestly, a month, two months, like literally two years just passed us in COVID. Mm-hmm. Half the time you don't even recognize you be like, what year are we in? What month are yeah. we in? Everything is moving so fast. So by the time they turn around to say, OK, I'm going to learn something, they're technically an adult. And mm-hmm. now they're having to figure out life as an adult when they didn't kind of learn how to be children and enjoy that aspect and really start to learn about the different nuances of the world. I agree. I actually, I, I, I do a thing called Think Out Loud where I just talk, it's just me personally, me, me myself. And I spoke about that because I posted something kind of similar to that. I was saying that a lot of times people see the finished product and they mm-hmm. don't know what goes into the job. So like, I just take podcasts, for example, you see somebody want to start one up, but they, they they don't know even what you need. They mm-hmm. think they can buy a microphone mm-hmm. and use it, use whatever. And, they, and they, you can do that. Don't get yeah. wrong. But it's a lot that go into it. Certain yeah. questions, you got to be able to have dialogue. Like, you might can't hold a full conversation in general. So how would you do a pocket? It don't, it don't work, you know? So, um, but it, but they don't know what go into it. They just see Absolutely. that, okay, this person getting this. Or that, that looks good. Or mm-hmm. I, that is done. So when you see it, it looks easy because it it's, it's finished, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, it take. Like I was, I think last night I was up three in the morning, um, two in the morning maybe, um, editing the video, which I was yeah. done, but I just was trying to put a lot, a lot of finishing touches on it. Yeah. And the guy was like, yeah, "You put, you did a real turnaround. I want, I want to start doing that." I'm like, "Yeah, but I've been doing it for a long time, so yeah. it's easier for me to just do this and do that, as opposed to my just 
just thinking, okay, he put it, he recorded Thursday, put it out <laughs> Friday. I must can do it too. It don't work it that way. It doesn't work that way. And sometimes, you know what, trial and error, you can learn it, but it would be better to be a little bit more seasoned in things. But I think this is an era of just trial and error. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. crash and burn a million times. Instead of saying, okay, show me how you did it, that I can be a little bit more proficient at it. That, that all goes to what you said about uh, dedication. That's the mm-hmm. main thing. If you got dedication, then that's fine. But a lot of people don't have dedication. They mm-hmm. just see a product and they're like, oh, I want to do that too. Because mm-hmm. they look good doing that. So I think I, they, just, they just take you out and put themselves in that place mm-hmm. and like, oh, I can do that. Yes. Without even knowing what their strengths and weaknesses is on that. But Absolutely. I'm with you. I don't turn anybody down. I tell anybody they can do anything they want to do. Just as long as you're going to be dedicated to it, then that's fine. That's it. Um, that's just no, that's just my personal opinion, though. But um, I got you did bring up, you know, just let's talk about the millennials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when so for as far as your feel in, in, in the therapy feel like mm-hmm. what what all what all types of um, emotions, I guess, or issues do you do you do you deal with? Oh, um always anxiety they're always anxious about you know and i mean it's not just them honestly since covid um mental health has been i mean through the roof Every, most of the mental health clinicians that i know have waiting lists because it has just people have been feeling overwhelmed anxious about the unknown struggling with um what's going to happen next and if it happened next um what's the next step um, so what I find is more people are dealing with anxiety and anxiety is really a disorder about feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's really just talking to them about restructuring, maybe creating themselves a schedule or a routine that's familiar to help them to feel like they've gained some control back over a situation, um, depending on the circumstance. Um Sometimes if your anxiety isn't addressed early enough, they can graduate into depression. And um, so depression can be situational, like it could be a grief thing, it could be something really short term, or it can be something that's prolonged. It really is determined on, on how long the situation is going on where you're feeling out of sorts and it impacts your activities of daily living. Like you're not getting up and getting showered and getting dressed. You're not engaging with your friends. You're not going to work. You're not socializing or talking to family. So those are some things um, that um, can identify some depression, but then um, it's the length of time that you've been feeling that way, how worse the symptoms are getting, stuff like that. You mentioned anxiety and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, having a, a schedule and a pattern and things mm-hmm. of that nature, some sense of normalcy, I guess. Um, how, how, how much of that, do you, when, you, when you're doing your um, study or, you know, you, you searching somebody and it could be, like you said, it could be part Heathcliff mm-hmm. or it could be anxiety. How do you determine which one is which? Because what mm-hmm. if it's not anxiety and you're just kind of lazy? Um, well, usually with anxiety, it's, um, not more so laziness. Anxiety is more so always in this state of hypervigilance, like feeling like, oh my gosh, something's going to happen. Or, um, that may lead all the way up to having panic attacks where they feel like they're having chest pains Mm. and stuff like that. So it really is just being in this state of, oh my gosh, I don't know when the other shoe is going to drop. And so it's just helping to work them down and to calm them Um, because while they're going through that, cortisol levels are just flowing in their body and it it just continues to hit all of their muscles and their tissue and that can lead to things like 
heart disease, because, you know, that's when they say stress kills, um, heart disease and cardiovascular issues. So we try to help to minimize all of that and be in a calmer headspace to reduce the cortisol so it's not affecting the body physically because that's what happened when we have mental health issues people don't recognize that it shows up in your body physically mm. you know what i'm saying a lot of times you can um you're anxious and you don't know how to express that you'll start getting headaches and tummy aches and um your body will start aching depression you'll have muscle ache all over in your back everywhere in your chest and you're just feeling out of sorts not realizing that you're really struggling with a mental health issue and just not sure how to express that and your body starts to reflect it and i'm glad you said that because that's that's something i actually had in in my notes mm-hmm. is like i guess in, in your face it's, it's easy it's probably not easier but you kind of specialize in trying to bring it out of somebody right mm-hmm. um i think sometimes like you said you can be uh, your body will hurt or you might feel something, you know, your, your body will change, you'll, you'll mm-hmm. feel it, but you might know you're dealing with something because you mm-hmm. kind of block it out, whether it be um, an issue you had just growing up or whatever. It could mm-hmm. be something triggered. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't like your dad or something, but you've you seen him on a, uh, he might have visited or something like that, and now mm-hmm. it's like you thinking about it, but you don't know you're thinking about it because you kind of blocked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, or dealing with dep- depression or a, a death of a loved one that you mm-hmm. didn't really cope with yet. So it's a lot of things that I guess that you can, you can put behind you but not, or you can kind of mask it, but you don't know yeah. that you have to address it. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do, how do you, I guess, try to, try to bring people to come address those situations? Well, I always tell people, um, your healing is up to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's going to be when you hit that enough is enough, or when you're facing some issue that if you don't address it, it impacts your daily life, like maybe work or home is causing issue with your husband or spouse or the kids or whatever, that's when usually people want to come in. But healing really is individual and it depends on what they want to do. Um, A lot of times people get stuck um, not wanting to be vulnerable and show those parts of themselves Mm -hmm. um, to anyone Um, sometimes they feel safe to do it with the therapist because they're like, hey, by law, they can't tell anybody (laughs) in in aspects. Um, Not not, not even to cut you up, but mm -hmm. I think, and I know people people are watching this, my my core audience probably don't watch this show, I don't know if you have had, but like, I think a big representation of that would would be Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you just big macho guy, you can't express your feelings. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he knows that it's she, by law, it's things she just can't do, so I can go vent and go out, you know? And I, I, I wanted to cut it there just to, cause I know we're bringing it back in full circle anyway, but like, how, you, you, you being a, a black female mm-hmm. or a woman, I don't know the, I don't know the word to use no Sorry. more. Okay. Cause I don't know. I'm getting ready to curse me out. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> opposite gender and being black, right? Yes. So, uh, how did, how did, how do you like, I guess, preach to people to go check on their mental health? Because in our community, mm-hmm. I, it looked, it looks as if like when you go to get help, something wrong with you. Yeah. Or when you go to, to a therapist, something wrong with you. Yeah. That is a um, a historical thing, you know, um, with us as a culture, because 
if we show a weakness, we're not valuable. Um, and if we, if you want, um, Dr. Joy DeGuard wrote a book on post-traumatic slave syndrome. A lot of that stuff stems from that because if you showed weakness in a situation around master, you'd be killed, you, mm. your family would be sold, you know, things like that. So I think we've always had a perpetuation of hiding weakness and not showing that because then that makes us easy to pick off, to send away, to destroy. So, um, and if you think about it, back in the day, a lot of people had mentally ill family members, but you never saw them because they locked them away in a house, in an institution. You know, they took care of them, but you never saw them, you know? So um, I think that's something that is just consistently perpetuated because people don't realize that trauma and what we learn is cellular. So our mental illnesses, our trauma, the things that we've learned is cellular. So even things that weren't verbalized, even things that weren't expressed are carried out throughout generations. Mm. And so a lot of times um, our behaviors, our characteristics, those things are things that we may have learned innately and just perpetuate because that's what we know to do. And sadly, mental health is one of those things that it's like, okay, something's wrong with you, you're broken, and there's no way to fix it. But just like you go to the doctor for diabetes, you go you go to see a therapist, a psychiatrist, or a psychologist for mental health. If you need medication, medication management is there to help you to feel better. You know, but I think a lot of times people think, oh, there's no way to fix your head or fix your mind or people always confuse mental health with mental illness mm -hmm. just because you're working on your mental health doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be mentally ill got you you know what i mean and a lot of times people get those two things just convoluted instead of recognizing that while i'm what's working, that word you use convoluted confused. I'm use that from now on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm big on using misconstrued i gotta stop using that word because i say it a lot now i'm starting to say it too much yeah so i mean a lot of times people just um kind of think it's one and the same and it's not and so just continuing to perpetuate like hey um if you're not feeling well if you feel like you need help speak to somebody um, just recognize that people are out here that look like you that are in the capacity to be of assistance if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling stressed. Um, and there are other bigger mood disorders besides anxiety and depression that we as people of color deal with that we may even name something different mm -hmm. because they think, oh, that's just so-and-so and, you know, that's just how they are. When they really could have a mental health issue that could be being addressed but there's shame in it. Right. And there shouldn't be shame in it. Um, I was going to ask, uh, now I'm trying to ask it before, because it's not part of what I wanted to ask, mm -hmm. but I know it's a big push. Um, probably the last two, three years, I want to say, maybe just before COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a big push with mental health. Mm -hmm. But I also, I was talking to my other day, and I was like how um, some people are pushing it because they care, but then some people are using it. Absolutely. Um, um, I'm not going to lie. Um, um, I think mental health, has be is becoming more mainstream because a lot more people that are in more populist positions have been recognizing like, hey, something's going on. I need some help. And they have been coming out to say, hey, I need help. I went and got some help. It's really helped me. It may can help you. And um, I think they also did that because they recognize that a lot of people find shame in it and wanted to show them that there's no shame. 
Um, do people use mental health as a crutch? Absolutely. Just like they use other things as a crutch. Um, I'm diabetic. I, I'm, you know, I have heart issues. I can't get up to look down the street. I have, you know what I'm saying? Um, is it appropriate? Absolutely not. But, um, it's, it's an individual thing. I think that, um, as long as people are out there getting the help that they need, that's the most important thing. So what I do is, I do things like this. I go on podcasts when people call me and I talk about mental health. I try to tell them how to access it. I try to tell them like, hey, it's not some big scary couch in the room like lay down, let me pick your brain. Mm -hmm. It really is just a conversation. You're talking to me. For me, I don't say all these huge words and make people feel like they're this small we have a conversation. You tell me how you're feeling. And as you're talking to me, I'm thinking of modalities that may work for you. If That's it's, another big word. Yeah. What's that? Modalities what does that mean? is the different type of I gotta write this down. Yeah. So I'm thinking of the different modalities that may work for you. If it's something short, like solution focus, if it's cognitive behavioral therapy, if it's um, internal um, IFS, internal family systems, um, and just see which things work for you. And sometimes Sometimes it may it may not even be a modality. It may just be hearing you say your thoughts out loud. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times people think what they think in their head sounds great while it's in their head. But when they verbalize it, they're like, "Ooh, that didn't even it sounded <laughs> good in my head, but right, that right. just did not even yeah, that wasn't good." I, and I asked that question because I actually like when I wanted to do this, I, I try to do it every year mm-hmm. um, in the past. Most, but most times somebody catch me before I start the search. Okay. And so I just get whatever. I'm like, if you if you do that, I'm gonna you know yeah. I want to do it. I, I try to do it too many because I ain't pushing nothing. <laughs> yes. you know, I wanted I wanted to push Augusta and what I want to yes. push, but um, something real quick for us. Mm-hmm. But um, so. You mentioned uh, IFS. You said mm-hmm. internal family internal system, family right? System. So, and, and you also mentioned um, people thinking like, "Well, uh, this how this person is, how that mm-hmm. is, right?" So, I'm gonna give you. I want to give you an example, okay. and you just, you know, um, okay. So, you got a mother and a daughter, right? Got okay. you. Uh-huh. They black. Okay. I throw that in. That's important. Okay. Okay. Um, I let's say because I might feel like okay. The, the the daughter may have some disdain towards the mom. Mm-hmm. The mom may or may not know. I'm not sure. Because okay. the dynamic is, you know, you might see people hanging around each other or talking, but mm-hmm. the way that other persons talk talk you know, yeah. talk to you, it's like, it's, it's like you could tell something's there. Yeah. And um, honestly, I feel like with anybody, I never pick at something. I'm never going to make you go against your, your family or like, but I would say, like, you know, you got something going on with your mom or your, or your dad, whatever. Because mm-hmm. you can feel it and how they're talking. Uh-huh. And so I was like, well, you know, you might, you might need to talk, think about getting therapy. Yeah. And I wasn't saying it to say like something was wrong, but mm-hmm. I'm like, it wasn't that I needed, I, I felt like this person needed therapy for them or, but I'm like, you could take your mom with you. For the And sometimes it's just like, you have somebody, let's say somebody like you in the room, yeah. a therapist in the room, the way, the way it'll get, uh, uh, translated, it'd be yeah. different. And then, uh, as opposed to them sitting down talking and somebody saying, Look, I like you did this when I was younger. You mm-hmm. did this when I was younger. I hated it. Da, 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 da. And then y'all going back and forth and yeah. not, not getting a resolution. But then you have somebody in the room y'all can speak to and they can help translate these thoughts and these emotions and where they're coming from. Y'all can get some common form of understanding. Absolutely. And I feel like that's important. It is. Um, a lot of times people 
how do I say this? In relationships that are close and intimate, a lot of times, therapists do find themselves as the mediator. Yeah. That is the, the role that yeah. they do play, especially in relationships definitely between mother and daughter, spouses, there have been issues. Because a lot of times, because we hear that person all the time, every day, after a while, their stuff turns into Charlie Brown and it sounds like wah, 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 wah. So although they're speaking, although you can hear them, you're not processing them because Mm -hmm. you've already blocked them out mentally. So think about a mom who just had a baby. Um, Or maybe had a baby for a little while. That baby will be screaming and crying and the mom is just walking around the house kind of doing her thing. Because she's learned a tolerance to know, okay, that's not an emergency cry. That's (laughs) not important. You know, she's learned, okay, she's gotten the air for her child. And a lot of times can block out. And that's what we do after a while in relationships. We take advantage of the people that we have around us and then we start to disregard their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And then we then have these poor relationship communications that now we're stuck in a bad place when we don't have to be. So I feel the same way. And I, I just, I, I feel like sometimes you talk to people and you tell them that um, sometimes they're so combative because I think mm-hmm. deep down, like nobody want to feel like something is wrong mm-hmm. or they want to feel like it's normal. And mm-hmm. I feel like it could be normal, but it still can be addressed. Absolutely. You know? But, you know, therapy is not for people who are only mentally ill. Therapy are for people exactly. who just need... As therapists, we have to see therapists. You know what I'm saying? I can't help you if I'm taking on everybody's stuff and not re- realizing that that is secondary trauma, mm. that that is something that doesn't um, sit within me physically. So I have to pour that out into my own therapist and talk to him about my feelings, my processes, and what's been going on with me. But I think a lot of times people think that um, therapy is for like these big, crazy... No, you're feeling a little overwhelmed at work and you notice that is impacting how you speak to your husband and children at home. I need some place to put that. Mm. But I want to put that someplace where I'm going to get constructive feedback and it's held, that I know that it's right here. And so that's important to recognize what you need and recognize you. Because I think a lot of times people have a hard time with identifying feelings and emotions because they don't have the vocabulary. They stick to the big three or five, happy, glad, sad, mad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But what about embarrassment? What about broken? What about um, injured? What about just feeling jealous? What about feeling burdensome? What about all those things that people feel but don't recognize the vocabulary and then they lash out in anger or pull back in resentment and not communicate those things. I think too. Um, sometimes people they they get uh, therapy blended in with. It. You could do a lot of things that's therapeutic as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. seeing a therapist, but you could be doing something that's therapeutic, Absolutely. and it's just the same thing. Because when you talk to, say, you got a problem with, I don't know, your boyfriend, your husband, mm-hmm. whatever, and y'all talk something out, sometimes you'll feel better because y'all got it out. Yeah, but that was a therapeutic conversation y'all had, absolutely. you know? And it's no different than you just going to somebody professionally that actually does this and specializes in this form of uh, communication. Absolutely. And therapy doesn't always have to be let's sit down and talk. I know therapists who take 
the couples outside and run because that's their thing. I've known mm-hmm. therapists who do knitting because that's their thing. I know therapists who do art. Um, I know play therapists who play with children and play in the sand and create things that help them to process because play is a child's first language. So it just depends on, that's why therapy is so great because it's individual. I can't say what's going to work for you is going to work for you. Mm. So I have to sit down, I have to speak to you, and I have to get an understanding of who you are and what may work. And that's what I do. Um, I want to get back to something you said earlier. You um, said that you was in the field for a long time, but then you went to private practicing. Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you? Like, so is for it your private own thing practice or? is my own practice where I see individuals, couples, and I can do groups. Um, I do like working with families because usually couple issues more than likely have things to do with the children and vice versa. So I love working with families. Um, but, you know, coming to see me individually is a good thing. I think that people overall need to speak to someone they feel safe with. I will say this, though. Therapists are like shoes. If they don't fit, find another pair. Mm. I I've, I think people think that because you're on the list or because I say I'm a therapist, because I'm black, <laughs> because... No, seriously, I think that people tend to want to um, come to you for circumstances, but I tell people, feel out the therapist. Feel like if you're going to get what you need from the circumstance. I do tell them to give therapists at least three to four sessions because sometimes it's just building that rapport. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really finding out, do they have what I need? Is this going to be a good fit for me? And then once you figure out if it's going to be a good fit for you, move from there. But if it's not a good fit, you're the consumer. Find a different therapist. But don't get stuck on that first therapist not working out and then you don't go back. Got you. That makes sense. Make a lot of sense. Um, but what, what 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 led you to start your own private versus what you were doing before? Um, I wanted to practice in a space that I felt created a safe practice environment. You know, everyone has their own definition of what a safe space is, and for me, I wanted to be the creator of that space. And so that was one of my reasons for, you know, launching out on my own. It's it's different, absolutely. It's not a huge agency, but I like the intimacy of my space, and I'm good with that. So when you work for, um, as not, as not private, mm-hmm. do you get, still get to pick your the people that you? No, they just kind of come to you. Yeah, like, yeah, they're kind of assigned to you. You kind of get a variety of different types of people you want to work with and things of that nature. So I like um, not to say you don't get those requests, but you can say, okay, is this a good fit, in my opinion, for me to work with um, and um, or in my specialties okay. and, and and move from there. So in a, in, a, in like I guess what's been uh, one of the greater things in the last five years versus the years before that? I think... Um, for me, it personally, it has just been in charge of my own time, but it also has given me liberty to do more things in the community that I want, like podcasts and panels and um, being able to go to schools and having conversations with people about mental health and also trying 
um, out new different modalities, being able to go to different conferences and educational forums to learn how to better hone my skills as a therapist. Well, that's good. I think it's, it's always good when somebody is in a professional field, mm-hmm. still trying to get better. Like yeah. that's always, I always champion that because mm-hmm. you can always get better no matter what you're doing. Like, even when you no think way. you know it all, you don't know enough. So. Not at all. <laughs> um, but I had, so a couple years ago, I did a, I did a counselor. I want to say she was a counselor. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. she wasn't a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, is there differences in that? Like just being a counselor versus a therapist versus. <sighs> There's such a conundrum about that. I mean, I would I would be considered a counselor, a therapist. I think it's just a play on words in some circumstances. However, I know that if you're clinically licensed, then I can clinically diagnose you with a mental illness. Oh, okay. You you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Some counselors have that ability if they're a licensed professional counselor, or I think they now have. Um, licensed mental health counselors, um, but um, some counselors are just um, like a school counselor who's not really doing diagnosing, but they're still counseling and education, educating, you know, a career counselor, things like that. So um, still advising, but maybe not moving to the capacity of diagnosing. Yeah. So what would you say about, because I, when I was in um, college, we took a a course, uh, psychology, mm-hmm. a psychology class. Mm-hmm. It was an intro, like, it was nothing major. Mm-hmm. But from that, like, people would come in and say, Yeah, well, my mom got this, or my, my dad got that. Like, because yes. you're reading for stuff and you see these little yeah, characteristics. It's like Googling <laughs> medical conditions. Like, you got a cough, and I'm like, I got a cough, but my back hurt, and I think I got, I think I'm dying. <laughs> I tell people, don't diagnose because, um, Self-diagnosing is it's it's terrible. It has you going in fifty. If you Google five symptoms, you could have ten thousand diseases. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I tell people go to a professional, talk to them, let them do the assessment, let them figure out what's going on with you, and let them diagnose. You know, if you don't agree with the diagnosis, I would say okay, you can go out and get a second opinion. But I think to be thoroughly assessed. And diagnose is the correct way to do things. Um, what so when you when you're dealing with uh, a client who is, I guess dealing with um, grief of, of death mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some if, if if any some exercises or things you kind of get them to do mm-hmm. to try to overcome that? Well, grief or address is not. It. Yeah, grief is not something that we tell people to overcome because it's individual, and honestly. Anything can trigger grief. You know what I'm saying? If that person means enough to you, it could be a smell of bacon. If grandma cooked that bacon the Mm. way that you like it, it could be the touch of a blanket. If that was your favorite blankie that grandpa gave you, you know what I'm saying? So with grief, it's more of honoring your feelings, honoring the person that passed, doing things in remembrance of them and walking through the processes of how you're feeling that day and giving yourself the grace to be able to feel that way and not feel bad about that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I wanted to ask, like, because of like, COVID, I don't know um, if y'all have been in that field or not like that, but mm-hmm. in retail, which is what, I, what, I'm, what I'm in, um, it's, it's been a big shift, a big change. Because mm-hmm. obviously the money we making years before is like, triple now yeah. you know it's, it's triple but the talent level of people coming to work is is, <laughs> is it's not it's not triple yes um probably did the opposite right yeah so um i wondered if not saying you or you had to do it but 
what do you what, what, what do you think about the idea of retail companies kind of having a counselor come in there? Because what I'm what I'm seeing lately, like where I work at, is mm-hmm. you see people actually really breaking down in yeah. in, in work because you hear forty hours, but with how the world is going now, mm-hmm. it's 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 almost impossible to get the stuff you got to get done in forty hours. In forty, yeah. I mean, honestly, with the great resignation and other things that are hitting our economic community, a lot of people are having a lot more issues coping. I have seen bigger companies. I know, um, I think Delta and some other companies, they have brought in wellness um, Mm. therapists on staff. You know, um, some people even bring in, if, for example, EAP is an employee assistant program. Um, If you work for a company, most companies have an EAP program. They have therapists there. So if people need those resources, they can call them up and they get sessions for free. Yeah, so, I do see um, that. Yeah. So sometimes with those EAP companies, I know I have done it for a few companies where I would do a tele-counseling session on things like reducing work stress or disrupting negative thoughts or learning more about um relaxation techniques and things like that. So I think companies are becoming more aware that if their team isn't healthy, happy, and whole, that the production is not going to go forward. And people are dealing with a lot more things than what they were dealing in times past since COVID. Now, I'm asking this question just as a personal opinion. It's okay. not like it's law, but okay. I'm asking because you specialize in this, right? <laughs> how many, I'm asking how many, because I think more than one is, is, is needed, right? Uh-huh. But how many... Uh, days would you think if you I don't if it's regular job retail whatever mm-hmm. would be um, adequate or you know enough to get paid for mm-hmm. um, mental health days you think you would need in a year well, if you're full if I you're full time well honestly I think that a person should get regular mental health days now it depends on your company but um, I would say people should minimally get one mental health day a quarter. Mm, minimally. I like that. I like that. Um, um, that's a star. I mean, yeah, it's a star. I think minimally that would be something that's fair that I could see companies doing. I work with a company right now. They give three mental health days a year. I'm on the job. On the job. So you just get to take those days and enjoy those days, how you sit, see fit for the year. Um, so, And I think people should take mental health days regularly. Like, I mean, some days, if you're not into it, when you get to work, you're going to be on the clock not being productive anyway. (laughs) So why not give the person the time to get themselves together to be able to come in and do what they need to do? Right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I just, I always wondered that now. I wanted to have that kind of dialogue with somebody who is in that field. Yeah, I think people need it. Because most people that work there, they're going to say a a big number. But I do think, you know, I think you should get quarter or monthly, something like that. I think you should get them. And I think people will appreciate that. Like, man, I get to get a mental health day. I'm planning it for this. I got it. And, you know, they'll feel so much better. Like, okay, my job values me enough to know that not every day is going to be a great day. Right, right. And so. You know, you mentioned um, doing private practice and wanting to get into the community. And mm-hmm. I know before we came in, we talked about the uh, Chamber of Commerce. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind, we could talk about that a little bit and how you got involved with that. Yeah. You know what? I got involved with the Chamber a few years ago because I enjoyed um, what they were doing in the community. It is the Greater Augusta Black Chamber of Commerce. And um, I just like that they wanted to see black businesses and individuals in the community succeed. And they were grassroots and they weren't big. So you can go in and ask questions Mm -hmm. and learn um, business and things that you may not have been privy to 
at no cost, you know, and I mean, having the city come in, um, um, professionals, bankers, people from the small business association, like you were getting so many different tools and nuggets that, um, to me made it worthwhile. Cause while I do want to do this as a therapist, business wasn't my major. So to learn business, I felt, um, in a proper way as, as opposed to how our society has it structured. Mm -hmm. Those are things we're not taught as entrepreneurs right out the gate. If we didn't have a mentor or someone who knew. So to have those things and have access to be able to ask questions and get some, um, mentorship and leadership, um, within our community and also network with other people who, you know, who are trying to build business and brand. So I really appreciated the effort of the group. So I didn't, I didn't hesitate to join because I believed in what they were trying to do. And what's the process of like joining a group like that? Like, is it a certain requirements you got to meet or is it a, no. is it open enrollment all the time? It's like, open how enrollment all the time. You just go to mygabc.com. That's right. org. Mygabc.org. And um, you just go on, go on and you log in and they have options on how you want to pay for membership. They'll tell you what's in the membership. You know, if you open a building or have a grand opening, they'll come and do a ribbon cutting for you. And, you know, there are just so many little perks. I tell people to go in, research it. And, and see if it's a good fit, you know, but it is a resource that's in the community locally. And I say, why not take advantage of it if it's a benefit to you and your business? If you feel you need that, I say go for it. Um, I want to ask, I always ask this question to most people. I'm going to try to do a, a collage at some point. But mm-hmm. um, I know you being from Brooklyn, of course, but what, what does Augusta mean to you that you being here for the time you've been here? For me, Augusta means for me a restart. Because when I came to Augusta, I had just divorced and um, I was looking for a fresh start. And when I came here, um, this year would be seven years now. When I came here, I didn't think life would be um, this. And when I say this is like I have done some amazing things here in Augusta that I didn't think I would ever think about. Like I've been on TV. I've spoken for the mayor. I've done so many crazy things that I never thought I would. I'm like, man, you know, I had my pastor one day say to me, my pastor is um, kind of good friends with the mayor. And I remember going to see my sister um, at the hospital. She was having something done and we were there visiting. My pastor said, Natalie, he said, daughter. I said, huh? He said, guess what? I was in the mayor's office and I heard your name. Me in the mayor's office? I thought, why would they be talking about me? You know, so I was like, you know, to to have that kind of access and to be able to um, be on the news and start businesses and do real estate. Like, I've done so many great things since I've been here that I've been super excited um, about the opportunities here in Augusta. So it means really a restart and a refresh for me. You know, I'm actually opening a shared office space for other small businesses to be able to come and um, have a place to start and um, do work if they don't have that environment at home or where they are that's conducive to help build their own business or just need space to meet and have a conversation with other professionals that, you know, could be assistive to them. How much of um, your success down here do you accredit to um, kind of being from a, a big city? And I, I ask that because 
a lot of times people that's from here, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're from here. I'm not saying you. Okay, okay, okay. But sometimes people that are from here, they have like this small mindset because all they know. Mm-hmm. So to them, it look bland. Like, I can't do nothing here. It's just Augusta. Yeah. Yeah. But for somebody who's from Brooklyn, from somewhere, from mm-hmm. California, from Miami, from yeah. Dallas, whatever, you're from these big cities, you realize there's a lot of opportunity here. Yeah, they just don't see it. It is. It is. Actually, that was, that was my Achilles heel being here. Like, every single building I saw I wanted to have it like every (laughs) single building like I promise you I was driving around like calling my family you you will not believe how many people have moved to Augusta because of me and my sisters are so like everybody's so (laughs) mad at me so many people have moved here because of me because I was like what are you doing like you don't got five thousand like you don't got ten thousand I need you to come here and I need you to get a house I need you to have something that is yours and I mean I have, like, pushed so many people. I have friends from Texas who have come here and purchased. I have friends from New York, Chicago, you name it. I I have called every person I know, and I said, if you don't come down here and buy yourselves a house before this thing get crazy, you know, my mother, um, she's from New York, from Jamaica. Like, even my dad, he lives in Jamaica. He came and bought a house. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, for me, it was just seeing how the real estate was so great to get into when I first got here. Um, My dad is a builder by trade and my mother, ever since I was a little girl, bought and sold real estate. So Mm. when I got here, I was just like, oh my God, like, why are these people not doing this? Like, what is going on? You know, and and I didn't get it. But after being here for a while, their mindset and values are different than mine were. Right. And I understood that. And I said, you know, for people who would hear me and I said, hey, you know, I think this is a good thing. Why don't you try it? And they jumped on. They're like, oh, man, this was the best thing I ever did. Um, even my mom, she just moved here in August. She was like, Natalie, had I moved when you told me to move, I could have owned like <laughs> 10 of these houses. But, you know, that, so to me, Augusta was just a restart and it was a great one for me. You know, the crazy thing is that I ask that question a lot. You might get the best answer, and like you're never from here. It's just crazy. <laughs> People that live here, they not saying they have bad answers, but it just feel like they're not ready for it. I don't think, yeah. or they can't really truly answer the question because maybe they never thought about what Augusta means to them. What so. Augusta means to them. So from that was, I mean, it was a big deal for me when I first got here. I was like, I don't think I could do this. But could you I drive when you first got here? You know how to drive? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. I just was like, I didn't know. I lived on my GPS though for like. Even though I had lived here like three years, it still played because I was still nervous about getting places. But yeah, for me, that's what it was. It definitely is. It was a great, great move for me. So I enjoy it. Um, I know we talked a lot about just men- mental health and, and, and therapy, but um, we didn't kind of touch on like how can if somebody wanted to meet you, meet you or get okay. with you, like how do they get with you? Do you take insurance? Yeah. All these kind of questions. I take insurance. I take EMP, EAP. Um, I do cash. I also do slide and scale. Now, a lot of people don't know there are websites you can go to, like Open Path that I'm a- assigned with, um, that helps you to get therapy at a little bit of a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. So I do open like three or four slots on my calendar for people on Open Path. Um, I do offer slide and scale fee for people um, out of pocket. Um, I try to open up a lot um, more in my calendar. Um, right now, my calendar is open, which usually is not happening, but I just came back from New York from a contract, so I emptied it. So I'm rebuilding back up, but it's it's moving pretty fast. I get calls at least 20 times a day. But um, 
currently there's still some openings. Um, so yeah, you can find me on my website at www.restoringharmonycounseling.com. Um, my number for my office is 762-585-4610. And that's just it. Well, uh, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't talk about? No, I think we did like a whole gambit of different things, which <laughs> I love. Uh, you know, I, I like talking about mental health. Um, I just want people to recognize that um, mental health is a part of your whole health. You know, mm-hmm. it's not... I'm sick here, I'm sick there. When you look up the definition of health by who the World um, Health Organization, it says um, health in the aspect of both physical and mental for you to be healthy, whole, wholly healthy. So I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, I'm mentally ill. You're not. You're just working on your whole health, just a different aspect of it. No, that's, that's, I, I like that. And, and I think like normally, some, I always try to do an hour, right? But mm-hmm. sometimes it go over. And I'm not saying if it go over is bad, because sometimes it's good to go over. But sometimes people be long-winded because they mm-hmm. can't really get their words together. So they'll say, like, extra words, and yes. they give you extra part of the stories. And um, you, you just was like, you knew everything. I guess you just, you know, you speak naturally. So, like, you, a lot of questions I had, I didn't have to answer because you, 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 t- you said it in your own answer sometimes. So Thank you. Um, Thank that's you. very rare, though. So Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This nah, has been a great, great evening. And if you want me to come back, I will. My manager will be here. But definitely, no, definitely. If you, if you want me to come back, I will. You know, if there are specific topics in mental health that you want to talk about. And I like just having a conversation because I think when people see that I'm talking like this or when we sit down and talk, it normalizes mm-hmm. what it is. I think when you see me standing up and doing a presentation or paneling, it may not normalize right, it as right. much. So I like for it to be a normalized thing. This type feels more organic. Yeah. And then obviously people like podcasts and like watching it now, so it's more yeah. popularized. But like you said, if um, I needed you, you come back. If you have something you wanted to do and you wanted mm-hmm. to film that you want to broadcast a certain way, you could let me know absolutely, too. Absolutely, absolutely. I will say I am having an event at the end of the month, along with Payne College, and it is um, my nonprofit is called Pearl, providing education and advocacy to rebuild life, um, rebuild lives. This month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Yeah, I know. And um, we are doing uh, our APB, which is Abuse, Abduction, and Assault. Um, we're educating on how to prevent those things from happening so we will have um someone teaching um some basic self-defense we will be talking about trafficking consent assault and abuse well if you want i don't know if you get the personnel or whoever going to be a part of that we could set up a date to kind of do something to promote that as well too Absolutely. I'm, I'm, i wanted to talk i wanted to talk with somebody about that but it's hard to post Hey, yes. who's been assaulted? You know, I don't know how yeah. to post them. Like, yeah. who want to talk about sexual assault? Like, you can't really post it. Absolutely. So I was well, just hoping somebody. Well, we have some great speakers. So if you want to pop in, you're welcome um, to film for the podcast to ask some of the panelists questions. Definitely. We could we could definitely do that. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, this was dope. Um, Thank you. I, I appreciate you for dropping by on short notice. We just spoke like <laughs> two days ago. So yes. um, I'm glad it happened and it happened perfect and it ain't long winded. So I know people going to watch it. They're going to love it. So thank you. Thank you. Right, you're welcome. Morning Masters Podcast. We out.